Hello, my beautiful survivor friends. This is Karina, the host and creator of this podcast, Stroke Surviving the Odds. Here I do share my story as a survivor for the past 23 years, but I also share every single thing I know that you are going to need to know in order to survive this world as a survivor. I decided long ago to rip the band-aid, and by helping others, I'm actually helping myself. For those of you who don't know me, I suffered a brainstem dissection in March of 99, which led me to a coma and a locked-in syndrome, but eventually it led me here to you. So welcome to Stroke Surviving the Odds. Before digging into today's subject, which will be disability, I'd like to get some business out of the way if it's okay with you. For those of you who are new to my show, welcome and please make sure to follow and download my episodes because I know they're full of information, of help, and I know that you're also going to want to refer to it again and again. So make sure you also connect with me on Facebook at Stroke Surviving the Odds underscore the podcast or on Instagram at Surviving the Odds underscore the podcast. So let's get into today's episode. Enjoy and let's go. I am so proud to say that I have listeners all over the world, from Philippines, India, to the UK, to obviously Canada. So it's important for me to say a very special hello to all my listeners. And I want you to know that I see you and that I love you. For my listeners uh, that follow me on a regular, you know that I was 25 when my stroke happened, that my daughter was almost two years old. You also have to agree with me when I say that having a stroke is like surviving a tornado. It uh, deshuffles your whole entire world. Everybody that it touches around it affects in many, many different levels. As a survivor, yes, we are the most touched because we are the one that have to do the work for it. It's not an easy thing. We always have two choices. We either sink and swim or we rise to the surface and we follow the tide. I've always been the type to not rebel, but I march at the beat of my own drum. I've always been like so. I think that um, when I was young, I was forced into some stuff that I didn't want to do. And I find that this stroke is forced on us. We have no choice. That's where I say we have a choice. We have a choice to survive. And if you're my listener today, yay, because you survived. You're not a victim. You are a survivor, such as myself. It's not easy asking for disability. It's not easy because you have to admit, you have to be vulnerable and say, hey, I need help. Whether you are partially disabled, such as myself now, or you are permanently fully disabled, 
it's it hits the um the pride it hits the ego very much and i understand you see um it took me a good 15 years to apply for disability it took me a good 15 years to ask for my parking vignette my parking stub uh for handicaps not because I didn't accept, because you know I'm big on accepting, right? If we accept, we move on. If we don't, it doesn't go well, right? But I would always say, I'm not, I don't need that. There's people that need it more than I do. There's old people that need it more than I do. I can walk. I'm blessed enough I can walk, but you know what? I can't fucking walk. Sometimes... My body just doesn't want to follow, especially back then. I was going through a lot of different stressors in my life. And um, I had no choice to ask for help. That's when you have to be proactive and check out your options and step on your pride big time. I don't know how it is to apply for disability in other parts of the country and uh, other parts of the world so obviously uh, you're going to have to look into that but on my standpoint I'm going to give you the logistics of what I had to go through to be accepted uh, for my disability I kid you not do not expect to be approved bam bam just like that no 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 the government will help you to a certain extent on their terms they don't care if you're starving they don't care if you need a new um well new things around the house to help you live to help you move the government has its own way of doing things and unfortunately again we are forced to obey by their rules if we want the ulterior motive at the end of the day, we want our disability. It takes a lot of courage, a lot of courage. Again, if you're a survivor, you are resilient. I am resilient. There is nothing I can't do. I'll do it differently than another person, but there is nothing I cannot do. But asking for help was also a way of admitting my disability my needs it, it wasn't easy but i did it before i forget i come from montreal quebec canada for those of you who don't know that's that's uh, where i'm from so the very first thing i had to go to the clinic for x reason and um there was a pamphlet on disability and something came over me and said a voice inside said karina you need to do that you need to ask you are in need and i have the other voice inside of karina saying what the fuck are you talking about i can i got this i got this so there's always two voices on us survivors. That's what I've found from talking to a lot over the years to other survivors. 
So I decided to listen to the voice that told me to go and get the pamphlet. And it must have stayed on my bureau, on my dresser, for a, a good week. A good week. And I looked at it, and I was like, ugh, ugh. You see what I mean? <laughs> but I finally sat down at night after supper. I had a coffee. And unfortunately, I did the tedious task of opening the pamphlet. That was like the end of the world for me. The first part is obviously asking questions, um, the normal stuff, your name, your address, your date of birth, blah, 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 blah. And then there's a second, there's a second part to it that asks um, your specialist if you have many or one, um, not the GP, not your regular doctor, but a specialist. In my case, it was a neurologist that I was seeing on Boy, oh boy, at my beginnings, I will easily say every two months. Every two months I was in his office. Okay, let's go on. Sorry. Uh, so you have to take an appointment with your specialist. And as you know, it could be quite some time before you get the appointment. So I suggest that you go to that appointment. I also need to let you know some doctors, not all, because mine doesn't do it, but I know that my other one used to. Some doctors are going to charge you for filling in a document. So if you're in um, a part of the country that has uh, Medicaid, uh, you can offer, listen, pass my card. Because when the doctor passes the card, it's like, you went to the appointment. So the doctor is doing you a favor by filling in the document. So again, you have to look at the end result. I need my disability. I want my disability. I will pay the freaking $25 fee I have to, or I will tell him to pass my card and he can make $75. But get it done. If I had been intelligent, the day I picked up my um, pamphlet at the clinic, I should have called immediately to make an appointment at my specialist. But as you know, I waited a week before I opened it. So I was delayed an extra week because of my tardiness. So I recommend that you do everything in one shot. You rip the band-aid. I have a quick story to tell you about that. I so hate band-aids. Oh my God. When I was a kid, I would keep my band-aid, even though my, my wound was healed or healing, okay? I would keep the band-aid two weeks for that 10 seconds of pain of ripping it off. <laughs> so now that I'm a grown-up, I know that it's just 10 seconds of pain. So we have to do what we have to do, right? Also, to get more chances, get all the chances on your side. I had my neuro also not just fill in the papers, but also um, have a letter on the side explaining exactly what I had using medical terms and uh, to what, um, what percentage I was disabled and what was he expecting my 
recovery to be at, again, to what percentage. The more information you give the government, the better it is. As you all know, I like to talk. God knows I can talk, right? <laughs> um, I also can write. I'm quite the writer, if I may say so myself. But there was a lot of things happening at the time of my stroke, which uh, was also very, very, very difficult for my mom. You see, while I was fighting to live, my sister was giving birth at that exact moment and we live about 50 kilometers apart so my mom had a choice to make be with the one who's dying or be with the one who's giving birth so my mom went crazy and she did both things she did the road so in my government packet that i sent them i wrote a heartfelt letter uh, talking about who I am and talking about my family and how hard things have been for my mom and my reason for asking. I was young, so I was in my 30s at that moment. And um, I had started work. I was working part-time. It was Some days were much better than others. But I know that at the end of my day, I was in sales, so it was standing up all the time. And again, because of my ego, I didn't see the benefit of sitting down for five minutes, right? So I tough it out. So at the end of my shift, it was, it, it was painful. But I was, again, blessed enough that I was working. And I explained in my letter that I didn't want charity that I just wanted help. I wanted to feel supported in, in one way or another, I wanted to feel. So I made sure that my letter uh, transpired that. That can be also another thing you can do when you are applying for disability. So having done all that, I still got refused three times. Three times! I remember the first time um, I was not only pissed, not only upset and disappointed, but I was crying like a baby. It's like, what do they need from me? Do they need me to send them a video of what's going on? But my mom told me uh, to have courage. She explained that that's how the government works. And they're going to try in any way possible to procrastinate. So I reapplied. You have 30 days. From the day you received the letter saying that you have been refused, they, you've been denied, you have 30 days to contest it. So all in all, I contested twice, which makes three times that I applied for it, right? So the second time, I kind of knew what to expect, right? So I opened the envelope and I said, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, okay, whatever. I, 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 um, I contest. <laughs> and right away, I did it. And I was seeing a GP at the time for depression, anxiety. Uh, anyways, a GP that um, also wrote me a letter. And I added it.
And it's like, I'm not kidding around here. I need flipping help. And I know a lot of you out there need flipping help. So go through the motions, go through what you have to do to get your disability and help. When I was accepted, we're going to fast forward this. When I was accepted, it was a salutation dance in my house. I was actually happy. I didn't get the amount that I thought because what happens is that you are allowed to be working. You can be disabled and you're allowed to work. The government doesn't care how many hours you do. The government cares how much money you make. The more money you make, the less disability you get. The less money, the more disability. You see, what some people make a thousand bucks a month. I was making 720, 750. It all depends on what I would be making. It wasn't the end of the world, but you know what? I was so appreciative because at the time I was newly divorced from my first husband, and that money helped me breathe. That helped, that helped, that paid the rent. That was one less stressor I had to worry about. So what I'm trying to say is you do what you got to do. Apply for your disability. You know where you're at. I just told you what you, you're most likely going to have to do. Be appreciative. We have to be appreciative. I am not... I'm not in a wheelchair. I'm blessed enough that I can actually walk and return to the world of sales that I love in cosmetics. I just can't do it as much as I used to. You remember before I said, there's nothing I can't do. I can do it differently than someone else, but I will do it. Same thing goes for um, working. Same thing. Now, the government also uh, will take, uh, you're allowed a certain amount, which is pathetic, by the way, okay? In my case, I was allowed to make $1,200 in three months, okay? That's $400 a month, yes? I'm not good in math, but I'm, I'm understanding this. Where do you want me to work and only make $400 a month. And I was making commission over my pay, which was not a big pay because I was, I was making commission. So I was constantly, constantly looking, uh, calculating in my head and keeping track on papers and on my phone and whatnot. It got extremely tiring, but at the end I was saying it pays my rent, it pays my rent, it pays my rent. So it was worth it, right? It was worth all these headaches. So you are not alone. I wasn't alone. Life gets better. We just have to, again, go with the tide. The more, the more we resist, the more it will persist. I know I've said this in the other podcast too, and I know I've said it in the other podcast too. What you resist persist 
energy goes where energy flows. If you're always in a pissy mood, if you're always in a bad mood, if you're always, you can cry all you want. You, you, you had a stroke, God damn it. You can cry all you want. Absolutely. Go for it, man. But be courageous. You got this. At the beginning, I told you I see you and I love you. So when I said I see you, obviously I can't see you all the way in India. But I see your heart. I see what you're going through. Because in that respect, we are one. We know what each other is going through. So that concludes today's episode on disability. I hope that you enjoyed. I hope that you got some information, that you took some notes maybe. I know when I listen to other people's podcasts, I very much take notes. I'm going to take any information that's going to help me grow or make my life easier. So again, I'm inviting you to follow and download my episodes because I know that there's going to be some information in there that you're going to need at one point or another. You have been listening to Surviving the Odds. Oh, before I forget, also connect with me. It's true, I want to repeat. Connect with me on Facebook at Stroke Surviving the Odds underscore the podcast or on Instagram at Surviving the Odds the podcast. So with those words, I'm going to let you go. Wish you a fabulous day. And I will see you very, very soon. Thank you. I love you. Bye. Hello, my beautiful survivor friends. This is Karina, your host and creator of this podcast, Stroke Surviving the Odds. My show is about me sharing my story as a stroke survivor for the past 23 years. I share everything that I know that you're going to need to know in order to survive this world as a stroke survivor. I share my trials, my fails, my wins, my how-tos, my tricks, and I know you're going to be finding value in what I have for you. So I decided to rip the band-aid and by helping others, I'm actually helping myself. And my mission here is very clear, to empower, inspire, and give hope. For those of you who don't know me, I suffered a brain stem dissection in March of 1999, which led me to a coma and a locked-in syndrome, but eventually it led me here to you. If you're new to my podcast, make sure that you follow me in order to not miss any of my episodes. And you can also download, this is what I recommend, because when you download the episodes, you can go back to it, refer to it again and again while your rehabilitation. So before I dig into today's episode, uh, I would like to clear some business, get that out of the way. 
So make sure that you connect with me on Facebook at stroke surviving the odds underscore the pod page and on Instagram at surviving the odds underscore the podcast. You know, I always said if I can help one person in the world feel better about their situation, I am going to be over the moon. Turns out that I'm helping more than one person. I want to give a big shout out to my listeners. I have people in Philippines, India, Kenya, Germany, Sweden, Australia, UK, obviously Canada. I have more than that, but I am so over the moon. I never thought that this was going to happen. So I want to say hello, hello, and I want you to know that I see you, that we are cut from the same cloth. And I fully understand where you're coming from because I've been there. Today's episode, I thought it would be fun that I answer one of my listeners' questions. So this is going to be a very personal episode. So without further ado, let's do this. I'm letting you know right away that we are going to have a part two to this question. So you're not going to want to miss episode 24. Now, do you guys want to know what the question is? My listener is asking, how comfortable are you to meet people after your stroke when you have physical apparent issues and mechanical issues? When I use the term mechanical, it means uh, using a cane, a wheelchair, uh, a, a leg brace, an arm brace, anything of, uh, of the such. To that, I have to um, tell you that I've learned over the years that I, I had to repeat myself this many times. What others think of me is none of my business. What did I say? What others think of me is none of my business. I have control over what I do, over what I think. I have to do me, right? I don't have time to waste on what others think of me. I'll give you a concrete example. When I was working uh, for a company, I had clients that I've never met, that I never met again, ask me, oh my God, what happened? Are you okay? My first response is, yeah, yeah, it's an old injury. And I walk away. I specifically walk away. And I go back and they're they're just not letting go. And what happened? Did you have a car accident? Did you have this? Like nobody ever mentioned, do you have, did you have a stroke? They just said car accident. No, no, no. It's an old ski accident. I never skied a day in my life, guys. I, I never phantomed the idea of skiing because I don't like not being in control, right? But I would tell those curious people (laughs) that I had a skiing accident, that I injured my knee. 
pick and choose. My advice to you is pick and choose who you tell your story to. I had clients uh, later on in life that um, when I work in sales, I anchor myself in my clients and I work very closely with them. And I was a um, skincare specialist and a makeup artist. So I had to work at proximity with my clients. And uh, if the conversation came up and I felt compelled to tell them what was going on, I was more than happy because we were both sharing. I felt a connection between the two of us and we were both sharing something that was very personal to each of us. 